the war weasel dance? war dance. War dance. <laughs> but I, I think it was war dance. Yes. Yeah, but I, yes but war dance. Is that, yeah. is that like war dance? Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> war <Sorry>. dance. <laughs> <laughs> We don't deserve dogs. I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. And I'm Richie Redding. Uh, pretty exciting guest. I know. We have, we have really great guests, but I'm super excited about this one. I've been stalking her for a really long time. Uh, she is an animal educator and YouTuber with somewhere around 682,000 subscribers. You know her as M for short or M Zodic. Hello, Emma Locke. Hello, Dr. Lisa. Hello, Richie. How uh, are you? We also missed author of Animal Kind, which is an incredible new book out now, right? That's a new release, right, Em? That is. She's doing it all. Content creation, book writing, YouTubing, and saving the world one animal at a time. I like to dabble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is wild how many animals that you have. Uh, I, I, I also stalk your YouTube. Was that YouTube. a pun? Wild? No. Okay. It was just a, a different <laughs> use of the same word. Okay. Yes. Uh, hominem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I could just briefly go down, and this does not actually cover all of them, correct? Uh, at a glance, we're looking at a giant African snail named Shrek, an Argentine tegu named Terry, Olaf the Chinchilla, a pet skunk, that is a chonk, named Whiffy, <laughs> Prince Charming the Cane Toad, who is friggin' enormous, uh, Mat- Mateo or Matto, the three-banded armadillo, Grinchy the Red Hornbill, a shitload of snakes, and a whole room filled with packing peanuts for the ferrets to play in. And uh, let's not forget your dog, who is a Eurasian named Kiba. That's right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm ve- I have a very varied family. We can put it that way. And I've been very <laughs> lucky to have very interesting, wild, and varied colleagues of all shapes and sizes, cold and warm-blooded. Uh, that's that's my thing. Anything to do with animals, I live for it. I know I didn't get all of them, but a thing that we always like to ask guests is, uh, how did you get to this point of of having all of these animals? And Childhood then, trauma, uh, mostly. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, what was it? What was a little exotic like? Uh, well, little exotic uh, was not allowed any pets. So um, my God, I, that we were the same. That's yeah. so funny. So you I had to them. go out into <laughs> the garden uh, in England and and film fill my pocket full of worms and beetles and things. And uh-huh. from there, I just never stopped bringing animals home. Little by little, my parents had to give up, and they were like, "Well, this is going to be a thing. So good luck. Just keep them away from us." <laughs> That's so funny. So did your parents? 
like not like animals or it was like for me, like my parents just didn't want to take care of one. But my mom said that in every photo or every story I ever drew or told of myself that I was like, this is my dog, so-and-so, but I never had a dog. So finally they felt so bad for me, they had to get me one. But they just, they always liked animals. Like they had one at one point, but they just didn't, they traveled a lot. Like they didn't want to take care of one. Did your parents not like them or they just also didn't want them? Uh, My dad loves dogs. He had a corgi and a chihuahua growing up. Um, But my mom is absolutely terrified of most creatures. So she was the main reason why I wasn't allowed to have that many animals at home. Uh, I mean, she was afraid of goldfish, bless her. Oh my God. So So what does she do when she walks into your house now? Does she have a heart attack? She doesn't. (laughs) She doesn't even come into the country. (laughs) And is that because of the animals or other reasons? Oh yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's like, it's, it's like I'm in exile. (laughs) I'm in exile with my animals. (laughs) Well, you've exiled yourself really coming to the States, right? (laughs) So, so like what was the progression and then your education I'm also really interested in? With, with animals, it's my love for them has been a part of me as much as my feet or my hands. It's always been there. And over the years, I just read as much as I could. But for me, the pivotal moment of starting my my animal career, if, if that's really what it is, I guess it is a career at this point. Look, I'm all grown up. <laughs> yeah, I think you're in too deep to back out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think I am now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, there was opposite. Cause I, I grew up in London, then we moved to Hong Kong. And opposite where we lived in Hong Kong, there was this little pet store, which was run by this really cute little Chinese woman who would just keep gambling all day and she needed a worker. (laughs) Okay, so far this is the start of Gremlins. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. I'm listening. She needed a worker (laughs) to look after her store for her and I was 10 and toddled into the shop like, give me a job. And she was like, you're hired. So (laughs) she immediately trained me up at the age of 10. I was managing the entire store, learning all about running a pet store (laughs) at the age of 10 and she would just like clock out as soon as I clocked in. Um, And uh, I love this lady. Oh, she was great. Um, and uh, she put a lot of trust in me. Uh, she was never there. It was just me, this little 10-year-old, dealing with adults who didn't want to take advice from a 10-year-old, of course. Like, when you say a little pet shop, like, how how many animals were you taking care of in this place? And like what kind? 10. Um, probably about 30 animals at a time. You know, really basic, small animals, hamsters, guinea pigs, rabbits, things like that. Magwai. Yeah, can't feed them after midnight, can't get them wet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I'm terrified of hamsters to this day because of that first job. <laughs> They're just horrible. Monitor lizards, no problem, but just yeah, don't no, come that's near fine. You, you know, give me, give me a king cobra any day over a hamster. <laughs> Seriously. <So> funny. <laughs> that is actually, I, I want to get back on track to this, but one question that I had for you uh, that I wanted wanted to ask is are there any animals that you're just like nope because for me it's the harpy eagle i am positive they are sent from the devil (laughs) yeah they're definitely here to do his bidding um i love the (laughs) harpy eagle Uh, there's only one creature that kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies and those are moths moths are just the stuff of nightmares for me (laughs) since like silence of the lambs or because i mean they eat wool right don't they eat wool uh yeah the cloth of all kinds i think so what is it about moths and hamsters for you or unexplainable first crush when i was about 
eight. And uh, <laughs> and back She's where I grew up uh-huh. in Hong Kong, we had this big white wall in the garage area, which interlinked all of the houses. It was like a big expat community. And every night, all of these huge moths, like the size of my face, would be lined oh, up against the no. wall. And I used to really like them. And we used to have this game as a kid where you'd you'd have to get your nose as close as you could to these moths and like touch them and then run away. (laughs) Otherwise it'd flutter in your face. And I thought that I would be the bravest girl and show off in front of my crush. And I got super close to this huge furry moth with these massive wings. It was a beast. And as soon as my nose touched the moth, my crush grabbed my head and smushed my face (gasps) into the moth and it burst all over my face. And it was like, I can still feel the vibrations from the wings on my face. It's really gross. From that moment on, I was like, moths and I, we we can't be homies. I'm sorry. Did you also lose your crush immediately though? Because like that's I continued to stalk Gross. him for the better part of like a year. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that would do it. I think a giant anything exploding. In your face? In your face. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was like exploding and vibrating on my face. It's certainly not a, a, an experience that I want to uh, repeat. Even now, if I have to pick up a moth and move it, because I, I have ended up working in a, a a butterfly house with moths for a while as a zookeeper, even if I have to move Fine. them and they're fluttering, I'm just like, nope, I no. go away. <laughs> that, I mean, that's traumatic. That's enough to be traumatic for sure. And what about hamsters? So wh- why, why? I mean, hamsters definitely, they get, I, we had a hamster once who got out. I mean, they're such a skate artist. It's unbelievable. We once had a hamster get out. <clears throat> we couldn't find him. My brother, of course, named him Dinker. And he chewed a hole through my grandfather's suitcase who was staying over and just, you know, pooped in it for like days. And that's that's pretty much what they do. <laughs> Is your reason luggage related also? Or? Uh, yes, except I was the luggage. <laughs> you got pooped on? Oh, I got pooped on and bitten so many times by hamsters. I have no idea why people think, oh, you know, my young son or daughter wants a pet. Let's get a hamster. Yeah. Like, no, it can bite through fingernails. Why would you do that? You clearly don't <laughs> love your kids. We, <laughs> we've learned from doing this podcast that uh, it's almost a rite of passage for kids to kill a hamster. Mm, pretty much. Like, <laughs> little ser- serial killers. <laughs> You actually successfully ran this lady's little shop of animal curiosities at 10 years old. I did. And uh, right next to the shop, there was a really wonderful veterinarian called Nigel from Australia. (laughs) And on my breaks, he would allow me to sit in and observe him doing different surgeries because at the at the time I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, that was like my dream job to have. And he actually, I don't think this is actually allowed looking back, but he used to let me remove stitches from his patients <laughs> at the age of seven. I, I don't think there, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know about Hong Kong, but I don't think there's any strong, that's very cute. So, but, but I'm glad that you went this way, way better. Yeah, but also, I mean, animals aren't snitches. That's true. <laughs> and they already got stitches. They so. already got them, so I was safe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. So you kept these 30 animals alive in this little shop. Did this woman have any interest in doing that or she really just wanted to run the shop and probably the animals were very lucky that 
you found them? Um, she was she was very good. I mean, she'd get in early and do what she needed to do with the animals. Okay. They were always kept really well. Um, but as soon as I was there, she'd just clock right out and take everything <laughs> from the till and be like, see ya. In my head, this lady is for sure an alcoholic. She is a very active alcoholic. <laughs> like, oh, the 10-year-old's here? Peace. <laughs> <laughs> she was a lot of fun. She she definitely <laughs> took a chance on me and it, it, it was really great. You know, she had like child slave labor and I got free bird seed for my time. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah, you got paid in bird seed. Funny. Yeah, it was yeah. Hong Kong. You're yeah. good. <laughs> true. It's true. I did. Uh, and then uh, uh, after that, that store closed down, um, I ended up working. I got... Um, transferred over by recommendation from the gambling lady and the veterinarian <laughs> next door to the Hong Kong RSPCA where they took me on and trained me up and they taught me how to go out and capture various different kinds of dogs because there was at the time a huge stray dog problem um, and then it was my job to bring them in, rehabilitate them and also um, by the age of 12 I was interviewing pers- uh, prospective owners and matching dogs to new homes. Like these stories sound like you should be like 70 years old because it's like, it was a different time. Like it, it was, it was Hong Kong in the fifties. It was, it was what, but this was like not that long ago. No, no. It was like a really early two thousands <laughs> and just, you know, very late 1990s. Um, but I really do feel like, especially with all my animal jobs, I feel like I should be about 190 years old by now. And I love it. I wouldn't change it. Uh, so, but then, and you did pr- like pursue an actual education in zoology, was it? Um, actually, I did nothing of the sort. I had an encounter with a, um, a careers advisor who looked at my grades and just said, look, I'm going to lay it out for you. You're not going to be a veterinarian. So you can be a pet storekeeper, which didn't really interest me at that point. I'd already done Check. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you can like, you know, work with dogs and Again, check. I'd, I'd already done that and no, nothing really uh, rang a bell. She goes, but your theater grades are great. So why don't you go and be an actress? And she just sort of gave me a pitiful <laughs> look. And I thought, great, that's what I'm going to do. So I didn't pursue any kind of um, career in zoology. I uh, graduated high school and I went to um, a dedicated theater school, which turned out to be a cult in London. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Word. It was it was a proper cult. So I only lasted Did a you year drink the there Kool-Aid? before okay. getting wise to it. Um, and and then I went to an actual theater school where I was very happy. That is wild. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I ever told you this story, Lise. That uh, the 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 best like bad motivator that I had in my life as a kid was. Uh, the, he was a rowing coach my freshman year in high school. I, I was on the, the crew team. Mm-hmm. And we did well enough that we made it to the uh, the national championship. And this kid, it, but we were still scrubs. Like we were just in like a, a slow category. And he got us together. He's like, look, guys, you're not going to win. And uh, I think we all know second is out of reach. Third's not going to happen. But fourth, I know you can get fourth. And by God, we went out there and we got fourth, as we were told was possible. Good for you. Like that, yeah, like that, that always has stood out to me. It's like, I wonder what would have happened if he told us we could have won. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and also on that note, my gra- I was not a good high school student either. My, I mean, I'd always wanted to be a veterinarian too, but I was not a good high school student. I was like rebelling against everything. I hated school. And I people told me the same thing all the time. Like, you're not good at this or that. And, you know, uh, and then I got to college and I did really well in college because I was finally doing what I wanted to do. And then I went back to school. So I, I didn't even want to commit to the sciences undergrad. My major was actually public relations and my concentration was biology so that I'd have some of the credits and I did so well in biology and then I did so well in college because I was just so happy doing what I wanted to do that then I went um, back and did a post-bac pre-med program at UPenn and then veterinary school in California. But it took a while and I applied several times also to get into vet school because it's so competitive. But also now... I would argue it's definitely not for everybody and it's definitely a very tough profession that I would not encourage anybody to go into. I mean, I found a niche. You have to find your niche and find what you love. But so many people, so many veterinarians truly get extremely burnt out. Um, And what you do is so important. And so I love animal education. Like you did the post yesterday saying like, oh, you know, watching like awful animal handling. I was watching this not the same video, I'm sure, but a very different video of the same thing. And I was like, that has to be, you have to be kidding me. So, but you go out and you were like, here's how you do it. And that's amazing. So thank you. Yeah. And actually, that's a really important point that you picked on just there, just saying that, you know, veterinarian work is not for everyone. And what I found growing up is if you had a keen interest in animals, you were told that you could be a veterinarian because, you know, quote unquote, that's where the money is. <laughs> or you can be a zookeeper or you can be a pet store worker. No one ever told me anything different. And as I grew up, I realized I really don't want to be an animal doctor. I love animals, but I have no interest in being an animal doctor. And so my entire life up until the last couple of years was just picking at all the different things that I really enjoy. What do I like? And not just what do I like, but what am I good at? Because if I'm good at something and I like it, then there's there's got to be a way for me to marry all of these things together, dog training, theater training, artistry, everything, and come up with my own career. I, I realized my career that I wanted didn't exist yet, so I had to make it. Yeah, it's, and your passion shows through. Thank which is you. Amazing. I really it's appreciate that. Yeah, so can you describe, you know, in your own words, what it is that you do as an animal educator? Mm-hmm. And, and also... Well, okay. Yeah, that first. And then I have a follow-up question. So with animal education, the way that it started for me um, is I met my former partner. uh, His name was Michael. I was an actress on the set of The Human Centipede 2. (gasps) Did you know this? Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Shut the front door. You're not just going to... Did you know that? You knew and you didn't tell me? I forgot. I read it Do you think this whole thing would not have been about (laughs) The Human Centipede 2? Do, you, do we need to, wait, hold on. Do we need to stop the pa- podcast? <laughs> do we need to do another day? <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how, I, Okay, how much time <laughs> did you have to spend in human centipede formation? Um, a lot of the day was sent in formation or at least sitting around with our fake derriers attached to ourselves. Um <laughs> Okay, there were fake asses. Yes, we had um, we had Kate Winslet's um, 
uh, butt sculptor who actually took sculpt like 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 put this latex stuff on our butts and uh-huh. and molded them from our real butts. So it's like it's it's our real butts, but like it's our real butt stuck on our real butt, like our real fake butt stuck on our real butt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I cut you off at uh, the exact point where you said eating the. Go on. Oh, eating um, the uh, the fake poop on set actually, because there was a lot of fake poop lying around, and it was delicious. It was um, condensed milk, coconut pa- uh, cocoa powder, and um, ginger biscuits for texture. Texture, yeah. Was it gluten free or? It was vegan. <laughs> Word. <laughs> it was all vegan. Just I love that you remember the recipe because you, you know that that's definitely like the number one question you get asked. It's like, oh, I make it every Halloween. It's my yeah. speciality. <laughs> Follow-up question. What was the audition like for Human Centipede 2? Oh, how much am I allowed to say on this podcast? Oh, Whatever anything. you want, girl. So, spo- well, m- small spoiler alert. Something not very nice happens to my character. I play Kim at the very end of the Human Centipede, like, the very back end, the end piece, as it were. And um, something happens where the- It's all work and no play back there, huh? Oh, oh, oh there, there was plenty <laughs> of stuff that happened back there that, I don't know. There's plenty of action that happened back there, if you catch my drift. Right. Um, <laughs> from the main character uh, to my character, um, and uh, that, that wasn't very nice. And I had to try and portray that in the audition. So the- uh, the director, Tom Six, who's actually lovely, he's a total sheep in wolf's clothing. He was like, all right, so uh, he, he's this big Dutch dude. He's like, I want you to get down on the floor and I want you to pretend that your mouth and and ankles and arms are bound and then somebody has some barbed wire and they're inserting it into you. Go. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Um, that's a challenge, uh, and I and I must have done a great job because uh, I, I I got the role. <laughs> Booked it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Take that fancy See, uh, London. You cult didn't even school. know. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I I definitely did not learn that in drama school, so I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> it was just in you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what the hell were we talking about before this topic? We were talking about how I got into animal education, and it does start with the human centipede because there was a very cute centipede wrangler on set. Uh, We had a real centipede (laughs) on set uh, who I ended up adopting um, because (laughs) I ended up uh, being in a long-term relationship with the centipede handler. We we completely bonded over our love of animals on set. So funny. And he needed an extra person to join him at the animal education place he worked at. So he's like, you know what? You're great with animals. You know your stuff. You're fearless. Why don't you come on in and and, and I'll train you up to uh, stand up in front of groups of kids, um, uh, pensioners, communities, prisoners even, and to give talks about different kinds of animals and uh, educate them on evolution and adaptation. So I I did. Okay. Is this a thing that like we learned during this quarantine, the effect that tigers have on women? Um, is, Is the centipede wrangler just a babe magnet that I never would have thought of. You know what? I actually, I know Joe Exotic pretty well personally. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, the animal community is small, so most people, you know, meet each other somehow at some point. Um, my ex was very, very good friends with Joe, so I used to speak to Joe quite frequently via Facebook DM. That's where we mostly uh, would, would talk. And honestly, he was always very kind and he was always very, um, very encouraging. He really liked what I was up to. Um, very charismatic it's a dangerous thing when you mix a charismatic person with yes. exotic animals. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. Did he ever well try to, to lure your uh, your ex into marrying him? Uh, yes, not into marriage, but he did send my <laughs> ex Tiger King underwear, some limited edition shiny underwear. Yes, he did. <laughs> I would slap my mom for a pair of those underpants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now I know what to get you for your birthday. Yeah, if people haven't figured out already, uh, this podcast has come off the tracks of our traditional uh, trajectory <laughs> for an interview, and I couldn't be any happier about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one thing that uh, that you are careful to point out in your uh, in your videos is that you don't have impulse buy pets. So... When was your first foray into getting an animal that really requires a lot of responsibility? I think that's the way to um, put it. well, I think where I learned not to impulse buy was when I did start working as an animal educator. And I would go into people's houses at the weekend um, to do birthday parties. That was also part of what I did. And I would see people who had awful setups for their animals and it killed me on the inside. And it was always the same story. They, the parents bought their kids some, you know, lizard, which would turn out to be a leopard gecko and they're keeping it in some sort of tropical setup. And it was just so sad. And that was when I realized how, uh, impulse buying was 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 really rife, especially with exotic pets, because they can hide their illnesses so well so many times. Um, and it was just so sad to me. So uh, I really had a lot of respect for people who would show that they did their research. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to educate people on how to look after their pets properly. Um, and I was also uh, not a fan of impulse buying pets as well, because I was entrusted with the, the company that I worked at as an animal educator to be the uh, animal raiser, which is great. So they would have a, you know, a, a litter of baby meerkats and it was my job to raise them or some owlets. Baby would... meerkats, did you say? <laughs> oh yeah. Meerkats, so armadillos, fruit bats, any babies. It, it befell to me to look after them and I loved it. But more often than not, I'd get them home, even with everything I needed to look after them for their first few weeks of life. And I'd still feel out of my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, I never lost any of the babies. They all thrived and, and became uh, contributing members and animal ambassadors to the company, which was wonderful. And I worked with them for many years, which was great to see them flourish. But, you know, even with the knowledge that I could give these animals back to the facility at any point, if I started to struggle, I just thought, wow, imagine people who don't realize they're struggling when they bring an animal home and they think they're giving the animal the right care. And then it just, it, it, it has to tank, you know, the animals go downhill. Like, like when my sister, uh, bought, I believe it was an iguana from a pet shop and only fed it iceberg lettuce. Oh, oh wow. I was, not, I was obviously yeah. not in the picture yeah. at yeah. that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. some metabolic yeah. bone disease right there. 
<laughs> See, um, you pretty much are a veterinarian. You don't need to be one. So I've given you your <laughs> honorary. Like Betty White was, I think she, I think she has an honorate doctorate some, somewhere. That's you've the way pretty, to you've go. got an honorate doctorate now. What honorary? An honorary doctorate. The way to go, yeah, that's sure. the way to go. Yeah, for sure. Mike Tyson. Fuck the loans. Honorary and the doctor. Time. And Is the, he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was at some. What, though? Uh, well, no, that's the, the funny thing is that they gave it. It was some Ohio University, and they. It, this was like eighty nine, like when he was like the world champ, and and before any kind of you know charges against him, and uh, he gave his speech, and he was like, I don't know what kind of doctorate I am, but when I see all these fine ass sisters in here, I guess I'll be a gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. <laughs> wow. <comment. laughs> and it leveled the room. Like that's how different the 80s were. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so what species is the most challenging to be a surrogate mum to? Oh, let me think. Um... I suppose the most challenging were the meerkats because I was always raising litters. It was never just individual meerkats. You know, they're, they're group animals. They they live in uh, mobs or gangs, as they're known, for good reason. Um, and uh, raising a mob or a gang of meerkats is no easy feat because, uh, as with many mammals, once food goes in one end, you have to stimulate them at the other to make them go to the bathroom. Um, so... That was interesting doing that on rota for like seven meerkats at a time. Well, luckily you had all that human centipede training. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came in handy. When you say you She's had She's so unfazed by it and she makes it so like classy and they like, abs- absolutely. It's like, that English that, accent. That's yeah. Like, yeah, of course. But For a second, I was going to pretend that I didn't know she, she was English and she just talked funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's that was one of my favorite board questions though, actually, about ferrets. Do you know what a group of ferrets is called? Or maybe you do. You probably do, Emma. Let's ask Richie if he remembers this one. Do you know what a group of ferrets is called? I got nothing. A female is a Jill and a male... What is a male a Jack? I don't remember. Anyway, but a group of ferrets is called a business. Business. And that's always... Nice. That's, that's right. Always it's a, one of my a group favorites. is a business. And then a female, which is uh, intact, is a Jill. An intact male is a hob. A female, which is no longer... A hob. A hob. Then a female, uh, which has been spayed, is a sprite. And a male that's been uh, neutered is a gib. <laughs> a hob and a gib, yeah. Those were actual board questions. Ferret, a group of ferrets is Wait, a business. You had to know that like to become a veterinarian? Yeah. That was like, that was an actual. Well, it was a board that, practice question. I don't think it was on my boards, but yeah, it, was it feels a like more of a Snapple question. fact than yeah. like a <laughs> exactly <necessary> thing to, <laughs> exactly to be a doctor. It's just one of those things like fuck you on the, your boards, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, this doesn't. It was like taking organic chemistry to be a you know a vet. It was like how much also just crap can you accumulate? But it's still the question remains: uh, How does one stimulate the back end of a ferret to get it to poop? Oh, uh, you get uh, you get like a, a nice soft uh, wet cloth, um, and you just wet it a little bit, and you just lift up their tails, and you just pretending that the wet cloth is a tongue, you just lick away. Yeah, so you 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 mimic what the mothers would do; they would lick them back there to stimulate them to pee and poop. 
It's the same thing when you foster kittens or puppies. You have to lick their buttholes? Yes. You would lick their buttholes. I would use a wet cloth. and and I'm with you, Lisa. In in motion (laughs) circular, yeah. Okay, well, this may be a perfect way to segue into the uh, the video clip that I sent you. So... (laughs) Have you ever, uh, you, you are, let's say, a master of learning, of knowing how to greet animals, I would say, right? Because you've, you've done so much with them. The video that I sent you, if you could cue it up, go. While placing a strong foot on the ground to prevent yourself from being knocked down, as they are very powerful and will insist on being So far, everything seems normal. When wolves greet... They will want to lick inside your mouth. Uh, this is perfectly uh, normal for them, and this is uh, what they do to one another uh, on a daily basis. Okay, <laughs> uh, pause for a moment. Let, let's describe, describe what's, yeah. if, if you would, Em, uh, what, what's happening on the screen. So the wonderful Anna Svenka, who happens to be the host of Animal Watch, um, she has mm-hmm. her mouth open on, and she's on the ground, Wide she's, she's on her knees, and this beautiful wolf has come right up in her face, she's opened her mouth mm-hmm. as wide as she can, and that... <laughs> That wolf is just giving her the best French kiss of her life right now. <laughs> oh, okay, you've, you nailed it. We'll start in three, two, one, go. You should allow this as they will trust you more and can learn everything about you as a person, which includes your body chemistry, if you are sick or well. She's now surrounded by eaten, four wolves and, also, and they're are all kind and licking out of her mouth. Them. <laughs> Body movements should be calm and fluid. <gasps> Sharp movements will frighten and shock them, making you look okay, threatening. Okay, I think we're good with that. Is <laughs> this the prescribed way of, uh, as an animal educator, is this how you would suggest that people greet wolves for the first time? I mean, if if you're not familiar with wolves and they happen to be wild, I'd say don't get on the ground and open your mouth. Um, but uh, <laughs> if, if you're with someone who's a professional and you're having like a wolf encounter or experience, then definitely listen to the professional. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I'd love to try I that. I would do it. Wait. I mean, I, I don't know. I make out with Chloe anyway. I she doesn't lick inside my mouth. surrounded by crazy people. She does not lick inside my mouth, but I she nibbles me. It's fun every once in a while. But like if her tongue gets in there by accident, I'm okay with it. Okay, but the census, if we're polling the room right now, <laughs> is both of you would do this. I would, and actually that's really um, good that you sent that to me because there's there's someone who's a very good friend of mine and, and he's wonderful, absolutely adore him. I might have a mini crush on him uh, and he's a wolf expert and he wants me to go and film with his wolves at some point after COVID. So uh, I'll, I'll remember this. So tell him to practice. You That's how you'll practice for the wolves. Oh, absolutely. You just practice on each other, right? Did I hear you have a crush? Was, did I, my has, headphone it, fell it's out because my ears crush. are yes. ridiculous. Uh, um, yeah, I, so, so I, that's how that's good practice. Yeah, That's how you practice not? getting ready for the wolves. That yeah. is... <laughs> If a guy I mean, if tried with to people, pull that with a girl, be like, hey, you want to practice to kiss these wolves? <laughs> she would mace him. That's how easy it is to be a girl that's trying to hook up with a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Why not be like, come here, lover boy, come at me wolf style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very sexy. 
So this morning I was watching something and I had like, I was like slack jawed in amazement. And Lisa was like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm prepping something because it it was this clip. And I was sure that both of you were going to be like, that's effing insane. Do not, don't even get out of the car. Oh, I thought something happened to you. You Don't get out of the car, much less open your mouth for a wolf to lick inside of it. But you're both like, yeah. Yeah. And you should hook up with the dude that can hook you up with a wolf. Yeah. Exactly. That's the real reason I know him. I'm just after his wolves. We are just traveling in different circles. I got to tell you, Emma. There's nothing about me or my journey or anything I do which is is linear in any kind of way. And I was going to say, I'm running in the wrong circles because I need to go join Emma a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Get back think to my roots. if nothing else, if there's a reboot of the Human Centipede franchise, <laughs> I want you to be right in the middle of that thing. That's <laughs> so sweet, babe. That's yeah, really girl. sweet. Yeah. Really get, sweet. Get you some vegan fake poop. Totally sweet. <laughs> well, I think this podcast has gone far enough without us finding out about your dog. So <laughs> you do have an actual four-legged uh, furry just dog. I but, do. It's it's shocking. A, um, my entire life. Dog. Seriously, I always, that was my dream pet. I always wanted a dog. But growing up, I actually had terrible uh, dog allergies. So I, I was not allowed to be around them. Or that's what your mom told you. It was it was horrible. It was it was just it's sod's law, as we would say in England. The one thing you really love and you can't go near it. That's just terrible luck. Do you think your mom told you that so that you couldn't get a dog? Oh no, it was bad. Was if your- I went anywhere like into a room with dogs, my whole face would blow up, like unrecognizable. Oh, <laughs> So you took the most circuitous path possible to getting a dog by having dozens and dozens of exotic animals first and then landed on dog. So what facilitated getting him? Oh, with him, um, I I had done research for a really long time to prepare myself for the moment that I could bring home a dog. And for many years, I was traveling so much all over the UK that I couldn't justify bringing home a dog because I didn't want a dog to have to live on the road with me. And I just didn't find the right dog either. And uh, eventually I spoke to a breeder. Uh, Now I fully support rescue. I think rescue is very important, but I wanted to bring home a companion from a breeder for, you know, certain reasons. Everyone has their own reasons. And it's very difficult to find a Eurasia in uh, in in any kind of rescue. They don't exist in rescues because they're so protected. Um, they're so rare. They're so protected that when one does need to be rehomed, it's normally someone within the Eurasia community who will take them on. You know, they don't end up in, in shelters. Um, and the reason I was drawn to the Eurasia is that um, I love chows because when I grew up, uh, I, I was obviously living in Hong Kong. I saw so many of these ancient spits breeds, you know, chows, Akita Inu, um, Shiba Inu. And, and I, they just want right for me because chows can be a little bit funny if you don't have the right kind of temperament for a chow. They can be aggressive, can't they? Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know one Akita that hasn't bitten someone. And I've had this conversation multiple times with Kaylin of all things pups who um, has multiple Akitas. So, and I've told her that I was like, honestly, I don't know one Akita that hasn't bitten somebody. Uh, it's possible, but you have to really know what you're doing. You I do. Think, yeah. I mean, they don't have as many tails as other yeah. breeds of dogs. And and I understand these dogs. I'd feel very confident with any Spitz breed, but I was walking into back then a situation where I was about to become a stepmother. So I wanted to have a dog that would be good for 
all three of my then stepkids. Um, and, and I wanted to bring home a Eurasia. They look like a chow, but they are much more even tempered. They don't shed very heavily. They don't have an odor and their entire existence is just to be around you and to be a companion. And when I brought Kiba home, oh, my whole world changed for the better. I could not love my dog any more than I already do. He is my child and he's perfect. He came into my life at a perfect time because my relationship sadly broke down. And I was really in need of that that company that really only a dog can give you. And, and I have to say, you know, it's great that your podcast is called We Don't Deserve Dog because I really do feel that, you know, I've worked with so many different species of animal. They're all wonderful. They're all very different. You can learn so much from every single animal. You can have a bond with every single animal, but there is nothing as close as the bond you'll have with a dog. And I stand by that 110%. Thank you for saying that. And we were actually considering naming the podcast, We Deserve Hamsters. (laughs) So I feel like we went the right direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, (laughs) So I mean, he is gorgeous. I had never seen. I didn't know what a Eurasia was. I had to look it up, uh, you know, from your social. Uh, also known as the wolf chow, apparently. Yes, I think uh, they have been called that before. Had That's you heard of them? No, and I mean, now that the word is out, if somebody tells me that they want a chow, I will fully direct them to a Eurasia because. That's, uh, I mean, yeah, they are the the Japanese and this, like you said, the the fighting breed. They're all bred to, in some way to be sort of a fighting breed. The Akitas, Shiba Inus, Chows, uh, all have all in my experience can be a. I mean, obviously there's some angels. There's there's not a breed as a whole, but uh, they they were bred for fighting mostly, so they can be pretty aggressive. From the sounds of it, the Eurasia is a chow that's not a dick. If I if <laughs> that's I was a great help. way to describe them. Yeah, somebody I, should market like if that. If we were going to do a it's rebrand, a huge market, yeah, you know, chals, <laughs> but not dicks. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it pops, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, tell us more about your guy. Oh, he's amazing. He's actually he's sleeping right next to me. Um, he is what's known as a Velcro dog, so he wants to be wherever I am, but he doesn't have any separation anxiety. So when I leave the house, he trusts 110% that I'm coming home and he'll just hang out with the two Samoids that we now live with because I, I live with my best friend and she has two Samoids. So he hangs out with them. It's great because they're all spitz types, so they have very similar play styles. So funny. What a, what a like happy coincidence. And they all look so cute together. One of the things that I looked up, I mean, you never know when you find something on the internet around, about a breed of dog, but it, one of the things that is said is your razors don't do well alone, especially when left in a room by themselves. Right. And I think that that would be very true if you don't socialize a dog the way that uh, some dogs, uh, if, if you don't socialize them properly, they, they might not be particularly confident. He is confident to be left alone. He keeps himself to himself. He's not destructive. He doesn't whine. I've heard him bark maybe five times in my life. He is really silent. But as soon as I'm home, he's ears back, tail wagging, super happy. Um, He's just a happy-go-lucky, quiet guy. He's the kind of dog that you can leave him alone for hours and until he'll be fine. He'll just be very grateful when you come home. And if I say like, you know, let's get on a plane because he's my ESA, he's my emotional support dog, which is very different to a service dog. He is not a service dog. He's just emotional support. Um, So he can travel in cabin with me and he's great. We've taken numerous flights together. He'll uh, 
travel across the country with me in a car. He's great with all animals and they do have prey drive, but it's something that I work on his impulse with every single day. So he gets to play with the ferrets. I was going to ask you if he interacts with your other pets. Yes, with the ferrets and the chickens, he's allowed. Okay. How, how did you build up to that? Um, ever since I brought him home, he was allowed to sniff through all the enclosures at the animals. And with certain animals, like the snakes, he knows that he's not supposed to even put his nose near them because we hike. So I don't want him thinking that something he smells at home and then might smell on a trail is going to be enticing. So he can't go near the snakes, but he is allowed to play with the ferrets. And I started off by letting him sniff them. <clears throat> and then after that, I would bring out the ferrets and let him, you know, put his nose on them and sniff. They'd sniff each other. And then in a room as a tiny 12-week-old puppy, he was allowed to play with the ferrets and he sees them kind of as pack now. Uh, so I wouldn't trust him with anybody else's small animals, but I trust him with mine, though under very heavy supervision. I uh, highly recommend for if people want to have a, a good six minutes of uh, completely checking out from their own lives to look up your video. I think the title is Insane Ferret Fun. Oh, That's yeah. The one <laughs> where you packed, I mean, you just, you just dumped uh, about two shit tons of packing peanuts. It started <laughs> out in a baby pool and then it just said F it and just put it in the one whole room, one whole room of packing peanuts. That sounds like so much and fun. Ferrets freaking out in them. <laughs> oh yeah, they had a lot of fun that day. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do is to spoil my animals and watch them just completely freak out. And they really <laughs> did. They they loved it. I filled the room with toys and packing peanuts and ferrets are so much fun to watch because they have what's known as a weasel war dance when they're excited and they just- A weasel what now? The war weasel dance? war dance. War dance. <laughs> but I, I think it was war dance. Yes. Yeah, but I, yes but war dance. Is that, yeah. is that like war dance? Yeah. <laughs> it's like war Sorry. dance. <laughs> Talk American. That's funny. <laughs> that took us. I wish you guys could have seen her face. Maybe we would post that. It was a very it condescending was a lot face. Of, <laughs> it was a lot of effort, though. A lot of effort. Yeah. You got to channel your inner Joe Exotic. Uh -huh. I did. Uh, I, I, so that's a thing. It's the the weasel war dance. It's an actual thing. When ferrets are enjoying themselves and playing, they make these little sounds called dukes, which which sounds like so they say that a ferret is duking. Um, and then with the packing peanuts or with any toys, if they're really excited, they jump and they twist and they turn and then they prance, and that's known as the weasel war dance. Mm. Yeah. Dude, there's, there's so much jargon that went with ferrets. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they deserve it, too, because they're so cute. Uh, do you have any questions for Lisa regarding your beloved Kiba? Oh, yes, my, my wonderful Kiba. Now, I have considered having him neutered at the moment he's intact, um, but he is a very slow-growing breed, so my belief is that maybe waiting until 18 months when his growth plates close, that that might be the optimal time to neuter him. But what do you think? Do you think that there is a window of, have I missed it? Is it good to keep him intact for any reason? 
Um, yeah, that's a really good question and such a hot topic now. Um, so I always di- direct, I will send you a video that I like to direct people to from my good friend, uh, Dr. Sue, the cancer vet, Dr. Sue Edinger. She is a veterinary oncologist and she talks about why she spayed her uh, Labrador when she was two. Um, and so the, this is new. I used to say like back when I was in school, back when I was in school, right? Did I say? When I was in school. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, which is like forever ago now. I mean, things are just very different. When I was in school, we were spaying and neutering animals like six months. It was like six months and that was it. And there was like some crazy study that came out that wasn't really repeatable at the time, but now we're finding it is repeatable where um, large breed dogs, and I guess, how much does he weigh now? He is 48 pounds. Okay. Oh, he's he's actually, he's not that big. It's but a lot of floof. He still, looks like he'd be so much bigger. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're finding it more in large breed dogs. So what happens is when we neuter them or spay them, we take away their testosterone or their estrogen. Testosterone and estrogen is actually the impetus for bone growth plate closure. So when we take that away, they grow longer and leggier. Basically, um, yeah, when we when we when we spay or neuter them, they grow longer and leggier. And there's some thought that this predisposes them to either orthopedic disease like ACL or cranial cruciate tears, um, or um, worst of all, uh, aggressive type of cancer called osteosarcoma or other types of cancers. We also know that they are. I mean, you know, look, I knew my dog wasn't going to be a rocket scientist, but it also does help for <laughs> brain development. <laughs> Of having her hormones. I mean, She's we always pretty. sell That's her. All that yeah, and it's and actually pretty. at the time, like I had like her. I think in my junior year of vet school, I actually waited to spay her till she was ten months because I wanted her to have as. And this was before the research came out. I wanted her to have as long as possible with her hormones, but I didn't want her to go and heat it into heat at that time because for female dogs, we know that the risks of mammary cancer are a little different. But they're even thinking about differently about that now because basically, mammary cancer is a lot easier to treat if you catch it early than osteosarcoma, which is a very aggressive form of cancer. So people are letting their female dogs go through one to two heat cycles now. Um, But with the male dogs, anyway, that's all very long, very long, unanticipated uh, answer for you saying that. If he's well-behaved, which obviously he's an angel, we've already addressed that, then I then for me, yes, I think waiting to neuter him until he's 18 months is great. Um, you know, I don't even push it anymore, honestly, with, and it's sort of could be an unpopular opinion, but if he's a really well-behaved dog and you're a responsible owner, which you are, and he's not going to go get the biddies pregnant, you know, then, um, the biddies? yeah. <laughs> It's pronounced bitches, oh, dear. This is one of the few <laughs> appropriate times. That's right. He's not going to get the bitches pregnant. Um, <laughs> then, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, not quite sure. It's, it's very European to not, they've not been neutering their dogs for a really long time. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's certain risks to that too, right? But I think the biggest risk to not neutering a dog is probably, just like in male, human males is benign prostatic hyperplasia. Um, So yeah, I I could go either way on it if he's a good, well-behaved dog. I do encourage people who have dogs with behavioral problems, marking, roaming, humping, aggression to be neutered because quality of life is everything with a dog. Um, People, that's the number one cause for euthanasia in dogs is, is actually behavioral issues. So um, I would encourage somebody who if they're having behavioral issues with their dog, but for Kiba, 
It's like, do, do I think the later the, I think, I think around two is great. Um, if you're going to do it at all. Um, uh, but if you can be a responsible owner and he's fantastic and you're like, hmm, I just don't want to put him under anesthesia for this, then I think that that's fair too. So I don't know. You know, we're learning every day what's right. But um, so far, yeah, that's that's that. Thank okay. you. I hope that helps. Yeah. Uh, M. Zadik, you have been a phenomenal guest. <laughs> and there is only one thing left to do, which is to determine by way of a quiz if you deserve dogs. Okay. You know what it is. It's time for a quiz about dogs and shit. <laughs> okay. It's quizzy time. Exotic edition. All right. Uh, question Exotic's one. Exotic's such a good name, by the way. We didn't even ask how that came about. Was it's that? real good. Uh, so. What she did was she took the word Emma and exotic, and then she made a portmanteau. <laughs> yeah. It's still and, so good, though. Uh, it's so good. You yeah. see? Okay. She smushed them. She mm-hmm. smushed them. She did. Um, or smooshed, as she would say. Uh, <laughs> in in t- question one. In 2019, Instagram cosplay star Belle Delphine went and got herself arrested due to a confrontation about a stolen what? Mongoose, aardvark, hamster, or Epstein didn't kill himself? Epstein didn't kill himself. That is correct. (laughs) Uh, We also would have accepted hamster. It, oh, who knew? Yeah. Uh, so, so what did she do? She, she got herself arrested? I, I got confront- Oh, okay, the, sorry. The girl that got famous for dressing up as horny anime characters apparently had her hamster stolen from her house at a party. So, as one does, she scratched and painted, bitch, give me my hamster back into the girl's car that did it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Em uh, would have told her to leave that hamster. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and if anybody is interested in Belle Delphine, she will also sell you her used bath water. I'm not sure why you thought M might know um, Belle Delphine, but okay. She but got at least it right. we talked about hamster. <laughs> God. She did get it right. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> question two If you want to know if you can legally own a pet penguin, a great place to start would be quara.com. And apparently, lots of people have asked this question. The short answer is no, you jackass. Mm. But if you do, keep in mind they are social animals. And keep and to keep them from getting depressed, you'll need how many penguins? Oh, Two, gosh. five, ten, or twenty. I'm going to say twenty. That is correct. It takes 20 penguins to tango. <laughs> and keep in mind that you'll need to feed them damn near 5,000 fish per day. So enjoy. No, thanks. That's where I'm dressed the line. Okay, it's best out of three. You're already playing with house money here. Uh, we're, this, is, this is just a victory lap for you, all right? So you can show off a little bit. When one Googles, what animals are the horniest? <laughs> One is met with a picture of what appears to be a mother, father, and offspring threesome between what animals? Koalas, bonobos, sperm whales, or the North American redneck? Okay, even though it might be bonobos. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the bottlenose dolphin, but uh, the, uh, that's not a, that's not a, that's not allowed. So I suppose I'll say... 
koalas. It was, in fact, the bonobos or bonobos. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) They they seem so chill. Yeah. um, There's their, their... they're holding on to the baby while they're having the sex. It's a uh, it's, oh, a, it's a real you know weird what? picture. And, I and it's I got mixed up because a lot uh, of therapy. It's I got mixed up because koalas can have chlamydia, so I figured they were just really sexually active. <laughs> yeah, they're just not very careful about it. But either way, it was house money. Turns yeah. out you deserve it. Yay, Cuba! I deserve you. <laughs> we Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, you were the best. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and blowing my mind th- with not only were you in Human Centipede, but you also know Joe Exotic. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to tell my friends. And good luck trying to uh, wrangle this wolf dude. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you'll have to let us know C- how it happens with that. Juicy yeah. Deets. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's, it's, it's just a little bit of fun, you know. That's all it is right now. Nothing, nothing serious. Um, but thank you. And also, thank you very much to your listeners. And I hope that if your listeners have stayed till the end of this really magnificent uh, detour of, <laughs> of an interview, I, I hope that you're inspired enough to know that there's plenty of different animal jobs out there for so many people and you can blaze your own trail. And it's, it's okay to not know what you want to do with animals and if you just want to work with them you can find something that's going to be great for you I promise beautiful well put and people can follow you at Mzotic yeah I'm available everywhere at Mzotic Official on Twitter Instagram even TikTok YouTube anywhere where you can find anybody you can find me as Mzotic Official all one word. Perfectly put. And you guys know you can find me. Everything is at Richie Redding. And go out and get my album anywhere that you get albums. It is called Number One Album of the Year. And I challenge you to find anybody with a better uh, album cover than I have right now. The album name, you mean? Yeah, I agree. The it's name and cover. Great. It's pretty good. <laughs> called Number One Album of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, memorable. I'm at Dr. Lisa Lippman and uh, at We Don't Deserve Dogs. We don't push the podcast page enough. Totally oh, yeah. forgot about that. We have a podcast page, you guys, on Instagram. Yeah, and uh, if you like tell people to listen to the podcast because it's really good, that would be cool. Yeah, it would mean a lot to us, actually. It really helps. So. Yeah, glad we l- save that for when people already <laughs> stop listening unless they're like mowing a lawn. And I'm so graciously <laughs> thank them. So it's very right. sweet. Thank you guys so much. And right. thank you, Em. You were awesome. Thank Bye. you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you so much for listening to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Richie Redding. And I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. Yeah. And you can find both of us at our respective handles, those exact names, at Richie Redding, at Dr. Lisa Lippman. And uh, I just want to give special thanks to our editor, of course, who is Jordan Aaron, and our executive producer, King Joffrey himself, Jeff Umbro, of The Podglomerate. And you can find more of their shows at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in this episode comes from Breakmaster Cylinder. Make sure to check out the sponsors you heard in this episode because that really helps provide the show to you free of charge. Let them know we sent you. It also really helps people to find the show if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode on socials. Tag us at We Don't Deserve Dogs and let us know what you thought. We'll see you next week when we return with another episode of We Don't Deserve Dogs.
All content provided on We Don't Deserve Dogs is for informational purposes and entertainment value only. None of the content on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to constitute third-party veterinary advice or any other third-party professional advice. The content We Don't Deserve Dogs distributes or transmits should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice. Nothing on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to be used as a veterinarian's diagnosis, veterinary treatment, or any other veterinary service and should not be relied on to affect the medical therapy of any pet. Nothing transmitted to or from We Don't Deserve Dogs can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. Your dependence on the content of any information found on or transmitted by We Don't Deserve Dogs is at your own risk. For veterinary care and advice, please see your veterinarian. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.